Greetings far and wide to the people of Agora Bible Fellowship. We're having a laugh because, I, I don't know, I feel this pressure every week to come up with, it's starting to feel like the beginning of an epistle, like, I, Chad, disciple of Christ, greet the members of Agora Bible Fellowship far and wide, Westlake, Newbury Park, Camarillo, how far do we have to go, Oxnard, all across, where? Anyway, we love you, we miss you, we love it when you show up on Sunday mornings, we're having a great time worshiping outside, in the meantime, for all these weeks, uh, we come to Thursday night and we worship the Lord here in this place and we record it and we put it out, hoping that it connects us together through this season. Let's worship the Lord together or worship the King. Here we go.
teach you a new song. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain move. And as I walk through the shadows, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to
Hello, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to this Student Ministries Sunday, kind of, a little bit. We're going to highlight a little bit of our student ministries, what's been going on, and then get into some sweet announcements. Uh, we've got our junior high, our high school, and our college ministries. College ministries, a new thing that we started up here recently on Monday nights. Our junior hires are on Thursday, and our high schoolers are on Wednesday. We just wanted to say, if you haven't been able to come back yet, um, we love you. We miss you. We are thinking about you. And whenever it makes sense for your family to come back and you to come back uh, into the fold, we're just excited to see you. Uh, we love you guys a lot and we're thinking about you. Uh, so a couple of things that are going on here in the church over the next few weeks. First of all, if there's anything that we could be praying for, go ahead and text those prayer requests to 97,000. We'd love to pray for you this week. Men, our fall kickoff is coming up in two weeks on Saturday, October 17th. We are going to have a full day from 2 to 9 p.m. here on the campus. Lots of fun things, lots of cool uh, chances to connect with other guys uh, and have some sweet conversations. Uh, there is going to be, I hear, because I'm running it, a sweet basketball tournament. So if you are a basketball player, please bring your gear, come out. We're going to start around 2.30. It's going to be a blast. Then we have a blood drive coming up in about a month on Sunday, November 15th here on the ABF campus. Mark your calendar for that if you want to give us some of your blood. That'd be sweet. Well, it's not us, but you get it. Giving. There's a couple ways to give. You can give online on the church app or you can mail in a check. Thank you so much for continuing to give. Let me pray for us and then we are going to get into a sweet video. Dear Lord, Thank you so much for a chance to be here uh, online together uh, for yet another weekend. Um, Lord, we're just thankful for a chance to dive into your word and pray that you'd speak to our hearts even here today. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you are wondering why I've got such amazing facial hair, go ahead and check out this sweet food delivery video. Hit it. Hey there, everybody. It's uh, Chicago Josh here. We've uh, been working with the high school students for a while now, and I realize that they like things that are cool. So uh, Chris and I, we're going to be cool biker guys for our food drop-off today. Doesn't that sound good? Chris, you excited about it or what? Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, what are you? And th Are these real? Dude, I said cool biker guys. Cool yeah. biker guys. Yeah, I am a cool biker guy. No, dude, that's not cool. You're wearing spandex. Like... It is cool. Uh, Pastor Scott is a biker, and he wears this, and... There's no way Pastor Scott wears that. He would wear this. Oh, no, Anyway. I, I shaved my legs, too. Fast. Let's just do the food drop-off. Okay, sounds good. All right, let's, go. let's do it. All right, Chris, let's uh, take a look, spin the wheel, see what we're bringing the clops for dinner tonight. Uh, yeah, ready. Chick-fil-A! Chick-fil-A! Let's do it. Well, very well, thanks for asking. For Stephanie? Absolutely. Neither, neither of you look like a Stephanie. They also yeah. call me Chicago Josh. Right on. Yeah. Right, hey, which one of us do you think is cooler? I don't know, man. The shades are pretty awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Toss-up. It's, it's a toss-up. Toss-up. Appreciate yeah, it. And thank you, too. Chicago Josh strikes again. All right, Chris. Let's do this. Let's do this. Come on, Clops. Here we come. 
the clouds. How's it going? You guys are the winners of the raffle. You're getting some Chick-fil-A. What are you wearing? We're, we're cool. What do you think we are? Like, if know. you were to guess. Would you say we were like cool biker guys or not cool biker guys? Huh? Um, well, very cool. That's oh, what, it, okay, perfect. But who's cooler? Yeah, yeah who's well, cooler? Well, the tattoos are cool. I don't know what the yellow rain jacket is. Quarantine. Oh, he's quarantine safe. biker. Yeah, yeah safe. he's very safe. safe. biker. Yeah, okay. safe biker. Makes sense. Got it. Yeah. Who's, so, who's cooler? Well, you. <laughs> what? Right, well, what? I can't choose. I can't choose. All right, I'm getting tattoos. He's getting some tattoos. So a couple other questions. Would yeah. you guys rather ride a Schwinn or a Harley Davidson? Oh, a Schwinn for sure. Oh. It's much safer. Joe? Schwinn. Oh, ah, that's a win for me. Dang. Okay, uh, would you rather... Dang it, this is not going to go well for me either. Would you rather shave your legs or grow a mustache? Shave my legs. Obviously. Oh. Joe. Yes, Joe! Oh, Joe yeah, 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 yeah! You're faster on a bike. And would you rather go to a spin class or a tattoo parlor? Tattoo parlor. Ah, I think I'm the so winner! <laughs> hey guys, hope you enjoy your Chick-fil-A. We love you guys. You. We miss you. Have an awesome dinner. I know, you guys. miss you too. All right. You guys are Wonderful. Good doing to see you. Great, great work. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. It's hard work looking this. Somebody's got to do it. You have binder clips on your shorts. Hey, what? The illusion. Oh, okay. Spandex. Oh, okay. Got it. No, those are tight spandex. They look good. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you. See ya. Well, greetings, church. Uh, So good to be together again online. And uh, sorry, I apologize about the video you just uh, witnessed. If, if I start chuckling in the middle of the service, you'll know it's because I'm catching Josh's mustache in the, the peripheral, uh, in my peripheral vision. And so uh, good times. We're trying to make the most out of uh, our current circumstances. Well, I want to invite you uh, to turn with me. As you know, we're working through the book of John, if you wouldn't mind turning with me to chapter four, we're starting this week in the second half of a story we began last week in verse 27. And uh, in case some of you might wonder why I keep teaching through scripture during chaotic seasons like this, here's the reason why. I believe that God's word is relevant and applicable to every area of our life, especially during the storms. I believe that God's word is best understood when we actually teach through a book. So you're not tempted to go the direction of a pre-chosen topic. You're literally seeing it in the context in which it was written. If there's ever a time that we're in a season where a truth source is so critical, when truth seems like it's up for grab, that's why I keep coming back to God's word. And often, here's the trick of teaching from God's word. Often it takes a little bit of work on your side because it's not as if God's word says specifically, you need to do this in response to this circumstance. Instead, there's principles that we apply, that we insert, we implant in our mind. And then we're to lean into the Holy Spirit and his prompting and leading as to how to apply them in our week. 
It's interesting just having a conversation last week after the message with a, a couple of ladies from our church, and they were just coming, just asking the question. They're just like, you know what? We're not really sure what our husband would be in this circumstance, what we keep going to for being filled up. The examples that you used weren't areas that we were struggling with. And here's the way I responded. I was just thinking, you know what? What I suggest might not be what you're dealing with. But if I'm confident, if you lean into the Holy Spirit, if you spend the week seeking the Lord saying, hey, God, what is it that I'm depending on? What is it that I'm leaning on trying to fill my cup with? I'm confident that the Holy Spirit will bring it to light. What's interesting is one person might be called to respond to a circumstance exactly the opposite of what another person is called based on their gifts, God's plan for their life, the way that he's wired them up. And so we're trying as best as we can to put the tools in your tool belt that the Holy Spirit has something to work with during circumstances such as a time like this. So diving into scripture this week, we're asking that you put in the work, that you look for the principles that you need to insert in your mind so that the Holy Spirit can then convict and bring them to mind and nudge you the direction you're supposed to take them. Let me pray toward that, that end before we dive in. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to be together and to continue to uh, surround ourselves, to fill us ourselves with your word. We believe that it does speak to our circumstances. We ask that you would do the work that only your spirit can do, nudge in the areas that we need to be nudged, convict in the areas that we need to be convicted in. Speak to us from your word. We invite that. We believe it's possible. So we invite it in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, you might remember uh, last week we started in this account of the Samaritan woman and we looked at what thirsty people do. They try to put every possible thing filling their cup. Every, they, they, they reach into every possible well that this world has to offer in this futile attempt of filling themselves up. Now, I was thinking about it this week, and I have, in my seven and a half years here, to my knowledge, never once used a water physical illustration. And so I thought this was the week to give it a try. And so you're going to have to be patient with me here, because I'm obviously a novice at it, especially when it's student week. I thought it was uh, fitting that we would do that. So here's, here's my illustration. So here's the cup that represents us. This cup represents us trying to fill ourselves with whatever the world has to offer. Notice my clearly uh, marked water here with, uh, oh, that one's Jesus. This one is world, clearly marked. So we try to fill our cup with whatever it is we can find. We fill, 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 and we start to think, you know what, this seems to be working. We seem to be filling up, but we fill and fill and realize that it doesn't matter how much we fill, it seems to just constantly empty. It starts to show some signs of, of fruit, st starts to seem like it's going somewhere, but always leaves us feeling empty. That's the way that the world works. This week, we're looking a little bit differently at the second half of the story of the Samaritan woman. Last week, what satisfied people do this week is the better question. I'm sorry, last week was what thirsty people do. This week, what do satisfied people do? 
We talked about Jesus being the one thing that satisfies last week, and we talked about how he fills our cup completely. It's not, not ever emptying, it's not running out, it's not pouring over. Here's the idea of when we fill our cup with him. Eventually, our cup is full and it starts pouring over and impacting, getting everyone around us wet, getting everyone around us drenched because we can't contain it. That's the difference between somebody that's trying to fill their cup with the things of this world and someone that's satisfied already starts to overflow and ripple into those around us. It's also relevant for us that are struggling with temptation. Here's how it works. Here's how sin works in our life. When we're operating with a half full cup, then the things of this world that Satan offers to us, they seem very appealing because we want to do what? We want to fill our cup. So we are enticed by those things. Just the opposite is true for somebody with a full cup. When you have a full cup, all of a sudden, the things that this world offers, they don't really have much, much to entice us with because you're like, well, why would I need to draw from that when my cup's already full? So here, today in our text, I want to answer the question that this should lead us to. How do you keep a full cup? How do you remain full instead of constantly halfway or partially full? Let me dive into chapter 4, verse 27. Jesus has some really wonderful principles about sustained satisfaction you'll see in the text. Verse 27 says, Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or what are you talking? Why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, See a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Now, we'll stop there for a moment. Just a reminder of where we're at in the story. Jesus had just finished this extended conversation with a Samaritan woman where he offers living water, where he confronts misdirected worship and ultimately reveals his identity as the Messiah. Now, the disciples are getting back from doing some shopping in town. They come back with some food, and they find Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. It says there in the text that they marveled at this, but you notice that nobody questioned why he was talking to a Samaritan woman. At this point already, even in the short time that they've known Jesus, they come to understand that he doesn't do anything on accident. So I imagine they're saying, are you going to say something to the other ones? No, I'm not saying something. Are you going to say something? Nobody was going to say anything to Jesus. So we see upon his return, though, that this woman from the well ends up leaving and heading back into town. Notice what it says that she did, though. It says that she left without her water jar. I think that's really telling of what that encounter had meant to her. She was so excited that she forgot completely what she had come for. Her real thirst had been satisfied. So what does she do next? What does it tell us? It says that she went into the town and she shared what had happened to her. Here's the first thing that I want to point to from our text here today. Is satisfied people share the source of their satisfaction. 
Now she, now she had before that been trying to flee and hide and come discreetly to the well, avoiding people. The same people that she was trying to avoid, now what do we see in the text? Now she's running to them. That's what God can do in a changed life. Here's what she explains to him. Says, you gotta come and meet this guy that told me all that I ever did. See, he seems legit. Notice that she didn't have all of the answers. She doesn't go into a bunch of theology. She didn't have to, a, a, a four-step theological presentation for the people. All she did is says, I've been changed. I've met somebody and it's, I'll never ever be the same. You come and see too. I think we learned something about evangelism there. It's not about having all the perfect words, but instead pointing pe people to someone that has changed her life. She didn't have all the answers. Instead, she speaks from experience. And here's the thing that's interesting is that they come in response to it, that they choose to, to come and start heading that direction. They start to head that direction. Here's the fascinating thing. No longer is she afraid or embarrassed by her past. That's what I love about someone that genuinely encounters Jesus Christ. Your mess is then part of your message. That, that's part of it. And notice that she didn't have to, when she mentions that he knew everything about her, she didn't have to explain what those things were. Everybody in town already knew. Here's a couple lessons we observe about, about sharing in, uh, in this context already so far in the story. The first thing that we saw in last week's text is that sharing has to obviously start with a conversation. You have to engage with somebody. If you, wanna, if you wanna get the message of Jesus Christ across, you can't be a mute. You have to literally speak up and look to engage. I love getting an email. Actually, both Adrian and I got the same email from a young mom this week from our church. She was telling us to get all excited about a dialogue she's been having with a, some, a, a, another young mom, just talking about things, spiritual things, spiritual questions. And I love what she said at the, at the end of the dialogue as she was giving us the update. She said, to be continued. In other words, the adventure that she had started in conversation was going to be an ongoing thing. It has to start by opening our mouths. Second area that we've seen so far or observed about sharing in this story is often there's barriers that have to be ignored. There's barriers that have to be ignored. What you'll discover is so often the person that irritates you the most, the person that you so desperately want to push away or unfriend on Facebook, most likely that's the person that Jesus is calling you to reach. I was talking with John uh, this week, uh, John Irwin in the office, and he was talking about a customer service interaction where the person was just rude and unkind. And I was thinking about that in response. I was like, man, so often that's the exact person that this was in Jesus's life. This, this, this Samaritan woman, this outcast, somebody that he most likely shouldn't have been talking to. So it starts with a conversation. Barriers need to be ignored. And here's the third one. And this is an important one that we've learned so far. We need to be content impacting one person's life. Be content impacting one person's life. You notice that Jesus didn't get in the middle of the town and stand on a box and preach to the entire uh, region. Instead, he chooses one person to influence. And that's how it is so often in our lives. If you just choose to 
impact and influence one person's life, the ripple effect, potential of that is unbelievable. I don't know if you've heard this principle before of the six degrees of separation. This is the idea that you're only six at the most, six different connections away from any single person out of the billions here on this planet. You see, you never know the influence as you impact one person's life with the gospel of Jesus Christ, how it can ripple into so many different lives around you. Let's get back to our story. It says, meanwhile, verse 31, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months when then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fr fruit for eternal life so that sowers and reapers may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Basically, this, these are new friends for Jesus. His disciples, he really hasn't known very long. And so they're genuinely concerned about him. They don't know his rhythm and routines yet at this point. So they're wanting, you see, to make sure that he's going to eat. They've just taken a 20 mile trip. He's making sure that they're, mentor is about to get enough food. Jesus mentions that he has food already that they know nothing about. Can you imagine? There's like, what is, did he, did he have a cliff bar in his pocket? Like, did somebody give him some grub? Like what happened there? Imagine the, the, the disciples are trying to make sense out of the words of Jesus and falling short. I've noticed this when you're first trying to get comfortable with somebody, a lot of times they don't know kind of how your methods of communication, illustrations work. Maybe you've tried this with your kids where you've tried to bring up things that have some kind of spiritual value. You try to point to something happening in real normal everyday life. I had a, a fun one this last week. I was talking to my kids and I was noticing our dog, her name's Bailey, it really lives its life with a, in the pursuit of treats. We have these, we have these actually uh, cheap discount little, I don't know where they're from. Yeah, biscuits, little nasty things. And our dog is constantly begging for these treats. I was just telling my kids, I was like, man, if that, we don't give her table scraps because she gets a uh, sick stomach. And we, I was explaining to my kids, I'm like, man, if that dog only knew all the good food that there is in life, flaming yawn, tri-tip, you notice I'm mentioning meats, uh, sushi, like eh, all the different good things to eat, all of a sudden the biscuits would be pointless. And I was saying to them, imagine if we realized at the end of our life, we were chasing after dumb biscuits and God had so much more to offer. I think that's a good illustration. All I get for my kids is an eye roll. There you go again, dad. Here, here's the idea. I think here's the disciples they're hearing Jesus. And even after a few short days, they're like, whoa, where is he going? He lost us. He, he totally lost us in this. But I love that Jesus doesn't get irritated with them. Instead, he corrects their confusion. He explains it pretty point blank. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish 
his work. So the food that they don't know about, the food that he's describing is the adventure of following the Spirit's leading and doing his work, sharing the gospel. That's what I think is the secret to keeping a full cup. When you're wondering about, well, how do you live a life that continues to be satisfied where you're not feeling wanting? And, and, and here's, here's the idea, is a life that's led by the Spirit is packed with adventure. You never know what's coming up next. That's what he invites us to. That's what keeps us from getting stale, programming yourself to responding to his nudges and his leadings. I've maybe made reference to this before. I, I'm going through a, a bit of a, an addiction to a new sport called pickleball. I'm a little bit of a nerd. People that know me, the amount that I've played recently is a little bit concerning, my wife thinks. And uh, yes, uh, and so we, we end up actually playing uh, quite a bit as a, as a couple. And so I've gotten to know at this, uh, at this uh, pl- club that we go to for k- pickleball, uh, it's not a club, it's just outside courts. And uh, we go to, but like, it's always just packed with people. And I've gotten to realize that one of my neighbors actually uh, goes and plays at a lot of the similar times to us. And so I found, man, this is a perfect opportunity. This is a great opportunity to interact with them. But man, I'll tell you what, soon as he heard that I'm a pastor, wasn't real interested in talking to me. But I was like, oh man, even this week as I was preparing this, I was going over there and I see him standing there kind of give him the nod. He doesn't even look up at me. I was like, oh man, but I'm supposed to, supposed to reach out to the people that are the hardest to. And I kept feeling the spirit nudging, nudging, nudging. So finally, I'm like, hey, how's it going? What are you up to? I finally started a conversation. And this time, after 10 efforts or who knows how many, we ended up having an awesome conversation, mostly about cars, but either way, it was moving in the right direction. I was thinking about that. Those are the little adventures, not always some Billy Graham revival, but the adventures of engaging with the world around us. That's what he's calling us to. And that's what satisfies. A self-centered life becomes exhausting and completely emptying. What does he tell them? He says, lift up your eyes. What does he mean by that? What happens when your eyes are pointing down? When your eyes are pointing down, you're just consumed with all the things of this earth. You see, these gentlemen, these disciples had just gone into town. There's no sign or clue of any kind of an engagement with the people during their visit there in town. Instead, he's saying, lift up your eyes and you'll see that we're surrounded with need. That's the danger I would suggest of this season that we're in, is to have your eyes down. We're definitely during this quarantine stretch during this time as a a country, we're so tempted to become self-focused and self-consumed. My family's needs, my safety, my opinions, my political views, my rights, a lot of my involved during this season. What Jesus says is the key to being satisfied, the key to having food to eat, to keep us filled up is to do the will of the Holy Spirit, to do the will of the Father that's prompted by the Holy Spirit, and to do get, get busy with work. Notice his illustration. He says, man, you get to be a part of, of bringing in the harvest. Bring in the harvest. He explained that this is a team effort. There's some that sow, there's some that water, there's some that harvest, there's some that, there, there, there's a different role for everybody. 
thought it was interesting, even last week in his interaction when he was talking with the woman at the well, someone had planted the idea, the seed, that there was a coming Messiah. So he was even adding to the work that someone else had done. We're really privileged to play any part regardless, but what he reminds us of is said that the fields are white to harvest. Now, what does that mean, white to harvest? I was uh, looking into that a little bit this last week. Basically, when grain was ready, it eventually turned turns to a, kind of like a golden hue. You've probably seen a, a picture of grain before, just in a beautiful field. What happens after that, that golden hue is eventually the tops of it start to become a pale white. And that's kind of the last clue that you better, you better harvest this soon or the harvest is going to be lost. It's the last sign before it finally dies and falls off. So he's pointing out to them the urgency of the rescue. The fields are, are white with harvest. Make sure we're getting out and engaging. Like the idea where we see the potential around us when our eyes are opened up to how many people we're surrounded with. I was reading a story this week of a man who is traveling cross country in a train. I've never done that, but would love to at some point. And he noticed in this long trip that the guy directly across from him was sitting with the blinds of his window wide open and in the direct sunlight. He's saying just for hours on hours, this guy's sitting there and he's noticing even through these barren stretches of Arizona where there's nothing to see but desert, he noticed, and as he looked a little bit closer, he's wondering, is there something off with this guy? He looks a little bit closer and he sees the guy have a, a little smile on his face. It's like, what is going on? This dude, something's messed up with this guy. So he decides, he builds up the courage eventually to ask him, he says, sir, do you have, do you, uh, do you see what a wasteland uh, what, that's out there? What is it that's making you smile? His response is what grabbed him. Well, I'm in the irrigation business now I was thinking, if we could only get water to this land, that desert would become a garden. That desert would become a garden. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to us. And we're surrounded with so many people desperate for truth, desperate for hope, desperate for clarity about eternity. And we have the ability to offer all of that. That's what would keep them satisfied and would keep us satisfied. Continue as a wrap up in verse 39 in the story. It says, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when, he, so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. After the two days, he departed for Galilee for Jesus himself had, to testif had testified that the prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast for they too had gone to the feast. All right, we'll stop there today, but let me give a little explanation. It's not often that you have a story that ends this way. I, I met this woman in Vegas, and after our conversation, she ended up being an amazing missionary. That's basically this story in a nutshell. 
met, met a woman of ill repute in an area that was known for sin. And instead of the expected outcome, she becomes a world changer, a community changer. Look at the result of her testimony. It says, many Samaritans that were in town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. See, satisfied people have an impact. When you're satisfied and you start sharing it with other people, there's a ripple effect. There's something that folks are drawn to when you've been rescued. And if God can use a promiscuous woman like this to rescue an entire community, what could he do in your life? What could he do in my life if we were faithful to that calling? Just because you have a, a past, a questionable past, this is a wonderful reminder. That doesn't mean that God can't still, use, can't still use you. In fact, he can probably better use you with the story of a redeemed life. Notice that once the introduction was made, they believed for themselves. I love the conclusion that they come to. You're the savior of the world. That's saving faith right, right there. When you recognize your need for a savior, that you've, you've fallen short of God's perfect standard and you need rescue and you recognize that Jesus is your only rescue, that can redirect your eternity. And for them, it did. Notice that he honored their request. What does it say that they asked him to do? Can you stick around and teach us? That's another glimpse of someone being satisfied is they just want more. They want more, they want more. Once they've gotten a taste for it, all they can do is think about getting more. And Jesus honored that request. I love that he was called to first reach the Jews, but he was also faithful to the Samaritans, reaching out to people outside of his targeted audience. See there that in this interaction that so many lives were changed, not because of the, the, the woman's testimony anymore, but because they encountered Jesus Christ. For us, once we point somebody to Jesus, man, he will do the work from there. Takes the weight off of us. All we do is talk about a trans, our transformed life. And then Jesus is like, all right, I'll take it from there. I'll convince them. I'll do the drawing to myself. And he was kind enough to give them his extra time. Thinking about that, just him spending a few extra days there outside of maybe their original plan, although I guess all of this is part of the Father's plan, but you think about us present day in response to that. When you have a mindset towards outreach, you've got to expect that you're going to be taking on some detours. You've got to leave enough margin in your life and your routine for those kind of interactions to sense when the Spirit's saying, hey, stick around here a little bit longer. Have this conversation. Don't rush off so quickly here. Keep engaging. Keep, uh, keep pressing. Keep looking to help someone encounter Jesus Christ. It ends with him continuing on his journey as he had started. Where is he headed? He's heading to his, his hometown, Galilee. Now, at first, it seems that there's a, some good signs of him arriving there. But we see there in verse 44 that he was going there to confirm that he wouldn't have honor in his hometown. But at first, they were excited to see them. Why does it say? It says, when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem. What did he do in Jerusalem? Would he remember a couple weeks back in Jerusalem? What did he do? He turned over the, the, the money changers' uh, tables. He confronted the people that were uh, abusing the uh, religious system there. So he was a hometown hero at first. 
God used that encounter to give him favor with the people, but we're going to see that he eventually, they eventually turn on him. But either way, we start to realize that here's how it works. When you're following the Holy Spirit's leading in your life, it not only satisfies you, it has an impact on others. People are drawn to it. And then I'll tell you what, if you're looking for something to breathe life into your spiritual life, this is it. You're wondering how to keep and sustain a full cup. This is the clue. This is the, this is the secret sauce, if you will. Engaging, following the Holy Spirit's promptings and leadings in your day and sharing the amazing news with Jesus of Jesus Christ with the world around us. That's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for us as a faith community. Let me pray as we wrap up. Thank you, Jesus, so much for this text and this reminder. There's nothing necessarily presented here that's new. This is information we know, but here's the responsibility. We implant that and then we go to you. We go to the Spirit and say, Lord, in this week, show me how you want to live that out how you want to me to engage with a coworker, engage with a family member, engage with a stranger. And that's the adventure that you invite us to that will satisfy the longings of our heart. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this charge. I pray that we'd not just be hearers, but we'd be doers of the word in response. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.
Well, thank you, worship team, for leading us. And thank you for being a faithfully a part of this uh, ministry online. I pray God gives you an amazing week ahead. I pray that you share, that you respond, and you impact lives going into the week ahead. God bless you. Have a great week.